0: Hello revelers, I'm so glad you're here because this is a fantabulous episode that pretty much killed me in the editing. I don't know if you've ever listened to another podcast that went bad, but we had a problem with a cable or something and we lost a whole bunch of our good talk. Luckily, Remy provided so much good stuff that there's still a lot here uh, at one point, you will hear a little noise. That's where it starts to go bad, and then it, I cut it all out, and then the end I refer to it. So that's what's going on here, and Remy was a saint waiting for me to figure it out, which I couldn't do, <laughs> and then waiting for me to edit all of this stuff. So anyway, it's Thanksgiving Eve. I hope that this brings you joy brings you thankfulness and gratitude, and you can see all of the connections and dots and wonderful people in your life, and that that Remy helps you see that, and I know that you're going to enjoy this episode. Please stick around at the end where I have an actual outro to talk about after you hear some of the things that Remy talks about. So without further ado, Remy Merez. Hello, and welcome to Revel Revel. I am Lauren Drabble, and today I have my friend Remy Mraz on. Hello,
1: Lauren. I'm so happy to be here with you today.
0: I'm excited, and I know that you've listened to a lot, so that's very exciting. So you know we start off with how we know each other, and I actually, I think I've come to these with maybe three times actually knowing how I know someone, and I think I know, but I'm going to test myself. Okay. So how do you think we know each other?
1: Well, I think we missed each other in high school, right? We were ships passing in the night. When you moved to town or to our neighborhood uh, and started at Mount Carmel, I had just moved from the area. And so uh, we did connect. where we did connect was at that 15-year reunion, uh, high school reunion. I think it was a 15 because I didn't go to a 10. Hmm. I'd have to do the math on what, that, what year that was. Yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, because I, I, I kind of, like I told you, I have my, my memories, I mm-hmm. really thought I knew, but I remember mm-hmm. hanging out and like really getting to know you. And I thought meeting you at Nettie's house party, which was an unofficial an reunion and that was
1: 2009. Yeah, so I think that took place after the 15 year. Okay. Yeah, for sure. All right, because, well, that's nice. Yeah, and I know because... Yeah, it it was, I think I was already, like I was engaged to be married at that time and the 15 year took place before I was engaged. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's how yeah. it worked.
0: So where did you move away to and what caused that move?
1: Well, that's a big one. So I moved to Chula Vista, uh, which is about 30 minutes south of where we lived in Rancho Penasquitos. And what prompted that move was um, so I had a, a very difficult, challenging upbringing living in Penasquitos and I was not getting along with my dad. And, and so I ran away from home. And when I ran away from home, that's when I learned that uh, my dad was not my dad. Oh, and I had already told my mom, literally, when I walked into her house, I said, I'm not, I'm never going back there again. And she said, Oh, don't worry, you don't have to go back. And it was like, really? That's, that was a little too easy. Right. (laughs) And so I, I, uh, talked to her about, you know, when she left home, cause she left home at 18, I was asking questions about how did you live? You know, how did you make money? Were you going to school? And, and so as she's telling me her story, I just did some quick math and you know things weren't adding up. And so I asked, wait a minute, are you telling me that daddy isn't my dad? Because if I was born in 1969, that means you got pregnant in 1968 and uh, daddy was in Vietnam. All right. And she said, would you be terribly upset? And I said, no. And she goes, no, he's not. And so imagine at six, yeah. I was 15 going I'm out a little stunned. Yeah, 15 at 16, stunned. Like so many emotions that go through you. And so imagine that our identity as human beings is like one big puzzle, right? Our Our, our makeup and who we are. And so- finding out that my dad wasn't my dad, it was literally like half of the puzzle pieces fell out of me. And I just had this big gaping hole. And then the question becomes, well, then who am I? And so, and there was a, you know, a gamut of emotions because then it was like, wow, then who's my dad? And, oh, wait, everybody knew except me. So then everybody lied to me. So then I stopped trusting people, right? And then I had identity issues. I had abandonment issues. And so my life really drastically changed. And, you know, I think it was Pam's story and a few others, you know, moving was a a big, has Mm -hmm. been a theme throughout a lot of your interviews. And it was, you know, pretty traumatic for me as well. So my whole life got disrupted by this one piece of information that was life-changing from a, like, oh my God, I have a dad out there somewhere. And there was some excitement you know, and tons of curiosity around that aspect, but also completely disruptive to my life where, you know, I was in sports, I was an ASB, I was, you know, a cheerleader. I, you know, was one of the popular kids and I had this whole circle of friendships. And then I moved to a completely different area. It's a totally different education system. What we were doing at Mount Carmel was two years advanced compared to Chula Vista High School. So what we were learning as sophomores, they were learning as seniors, and I didn't know anybody. And I had to literally rebuild my life and start all over again. And I went from being an extrovert to an introvert. And if you, you know me pretty well, and as anybody else knows me, that's very difficult to imagine. Yeah. But I went from having a strong support system, you know, in friendships and counselors and even my dad, you know, who was super strict, but I had structure and I ended up having to move in with my 74 year old grandmother. And so I went from child to, you know, somewhat caretaker and, and just not having a support system. And I will tell you that prior to that experience, I used to believe that I could do and be anything that I wanted. That I, that I was going to grow up and do something with my life and be somebody and that I, I could do it. And after that experience, that feeling went away.
0: Wow, yeah. And it
1: wasn't until many years later, actually, in my early 40s, that I reconnected back to that feeling Wow. of being able to do whatever I – that I was unstoppable and I could do whatever I wanted. But it took all those years in between and a lot, a lot, a lot of work, inner work and therapy and synchronicities and you know, all the things that we're going to talk about where I was able to connect the dots and understand you know, why I lost that feeling and how I reconnected back to it.
0: So yeah, how, Oh, okay, there's a lot there, but <laughs> yeah. you've already done the work. Mm-hmm. You've already looked at. What those threads were, and who those Mm -hmm. people were, and those synchronicities and such. So, I don't think I have to even ask many questions, except just tell me how you figured it all out.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so much there, and um, I mean, it's quite the story. But you know, I will just say that you know, when we grow up in trauma and in dysfunction, it it uh, it literally stops us or stunts us in you know the direction we're going right so yeah. i think that we are all born you know for a reason and there's a purpose and it's up to us to figure out what our purpose is in life but we're all on this journey of going somewhere and what happens when you experience trauma you know trauma dysfunction is that it's going to knock us off our path and mm-hmm. maybe have us take a different route and we all of us have the power within us to find a way to get back on that route so you may take some detours right but you have the power within you to get on that route. And if you're aware enough and you, you know, clear out the emotional clutter that's going on and, you know, all of the things that result of trauma and drama and dysfunction, that the more in tune you will be with yourself to be able to listen, to see, you know, hear the signs and the connections and the people that come in, you know, the little guardian angels that will show up on your path to help you stay on, on track or you know to get there. And so often, you know, anger, fear, resentment, disappointment get in the way and hold us back and keep us cloudy. So my my by me doing the inner work, it all I would say where the work actually started because mm-hmm. I I would I would say from the point of living with my grandmother on you know, like the rest of my teens, my twenties, I had my daughter at twenty that I was really I was caught up in survival mode mm-hmm. and so when you're in survival mode, it's just about like what's in front of me, I gotta get through the day, I gotta eat, live, provide right
0: mm-hmm. but
1: i read I was always a voracious reader, and I read some really profound books in my early twenties and so and let me just back up after everything that I experienced with you know. Trauma, drama, dysfunction, and growing up when my younger years, and then finding out this identity crisis. I only they took me to therapy once or twice, but that was it. And so, where my therapy was actually Oprah. So Ah. watching Oprah, and then reading books. And so, a few of the books that I read early on was Celestine Prophecy, The Four Agreements, uh, Purpose Driven Life, and you know, so books in in those realms, and uh, The Alchemist. And so those books had a really profound experience on, or, you know, effect on me because I realized that they got me de- thinking deeper and that there was something greater out there for me and that I had the power to do it. I didn't always believe in it though. Right. Because I was caught up in survival. Yeah. And, and so it wasn't until my mid thirties, I guess that when I, I I really started doing the work and it started because I got diagnosed with chronic anxiety. And what triggered that was I was working, I used to work in radio and I was working at this one particular radio station and the manager of that station, our boss, she led through fear and intimidation and I had a very adverse physical reaction to that and I was getting sick. I was having anxiety attacks. I, you know, just all kinds of, couldn't sleep you know, all kinds of crazy things were happening. And so I realized that the feeling felt familiar. Uh And I was like, I've felt this before. And so that's, again, where when you listen to your body, when you're in tune with your body, like your body tells you everything you need to know, right? And a lot of times we just don't trust what it's telling us or we ignore it. But my body was telling me, this is familiar, this is familiar. And I realized that it was the feeling I used to have when I lived with my dad. Hmm. that she parented, or she she managed the way my dad parented through fear and intimidation. And so that was a really powerful, like, aha moment, right? So I, I was actually participating in an anxiety study, and that's when I got diagnosed. And they told me that I would probably have to be on medication for the rest of my life. And I was like, um... And the medicine helped, like, it was amazing, like the difference, you know, what I felt. But I was like, but what if I don't want to be on medication, because I didn't really like taking pills. And, Mm -hmm. and they said, Well, then you should go work with a cognitive behavioral therapist, and they'll help you rewire your brain. And I was like, "Ooh, that sounds fascinating. I want to go do that. And so I did, I went and worked with this cognitive behavioral therapist. And she's, had me doing exercises and homework, you know, in addition to talking things out, but there was work involved with it. And she had me read this book and it was about a book about true story based on some kids up in uh, central California who had got, were all on a school bus and gotten kidnapped. And it was in the seventies oh. and they made it into a movie. And they, the, a psychologist studied those kids for 10 years after that traumatic experience. And what happened to them, you know, and how they all went these different routes and paths and different things came up for each one. And they're all their age is like five to 17, who had gotten kidnapped. Mm -hmm. And so that book, what it did was it stripped me down because then it made me it had me thinking, well, who would you be without the trauma? Mm, Yeah. And I have to tell you, that took me to a very, very, very dark place. Because it was like, it it was definitely like like deep in victim mode, right? For me, it was like my life, my life could have been so different and who would I have been and what would I have accomplished? And where would I have gone, you know? And, but it just took me in a really dark place. And a girlfriend gave me a book that was called Conversations with God. Mm-hmm. And with, I don't know, sometime within the year, because i was still, this is all happening while I'm working at this radio station. We had an event and they had a tarot card readers and the tarot card readers said to me the, the only thing that you're looking for is inner peace. And the only way you're going to achieve that is if you have a conversation with your father. Oh. And I was like, well, and by the way, I, I didn't share that I did meet my biological father when I was 18. Oh. And but we we had a relationship for about four years and then we lost track of each other because I moved to a different city and he had changed his number and we'd lost touch. So I was like, well, I have three dads. Um, so which dad are you talking about? And she said, there were negative circumstances surrounding your birth. And she said, it's your biological father. And I was like, well, what if I can't find him? And she goes, well, I don't know how religious or spiritual you are, but maybe you can have a conversation with God about it. Oh. And I still didn't really get what she was saying. Right. And it took some years to figure that out. But while I was doing the work with the therapist, you know, this is all happening. I came across some articles about famous people with ADHD and I went into her one appointment and I said, you know, I've come across three articles about famous people with ADHD and I said, and it sounds like me. And she laughed and she goes, well, I was going to get to that. She goes, but I was trying to get through some other things first, but since you brought it up, let's take the test. And I said, okay. And so I did. And I was literally off the charts, like 38 out of 40 points possible.
0: So you're on the anti-anxiety mm-hmm. medication when you realize you have ADHD. Correct. So the anti-anxiety medication really didn't do anything for the ADHD. Nothing. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Continue, please. And
1: so then I get on the ADHD medication and she said, this medication is going to give you X amount of hours per day it's up to you to create systems and tools and processes, you know, or find tools and and create these processes that are going to help you get through your day. And the medication is is technically just a band aid, right? To help you be more effective during the day. And let me tell you, when she gave me that diagnosis, next to giving birth to my daughter, that was the greatest gift I had ever received because it explained so much of how I was showing up in the world, how, why I would say the things I'd say, why I do the things I do all across the board, everything from relationships to work, to finances, to everything. Right. And I literally just cried and cried and cried. I was sobbing and like relief and, and joy Cause it was like, Oh my God, this explains everything. But then it was sadness. And again, that victim mode, you know, perspective, like why, what if I would gotten diagnosed in high school? You know, Mm. but she called out some things and she said, you know, girls typically get undiagnosed. Mm. And because my dad was so strict and I lived a very structured, disciplined life, that was actually helpful for me. And because I played sports, that was helpful for me too. You know, but she pointed out some other things I was probably doing. And so it was a great gift. And she goes, Why are you crying? And I go, Because I'm 37 years old. What if I would have gotten diagnosed earlier? And she goes, Well, Remy, here's the great news you're only 37. <laughs> right?
0: mm-hmm. yeah. She said,
1: I just diagnosed a woman who's 62. And so that put it in perspective for me, like, oh my God, you're so young, knock it off. Right. And so it took me three years to get off the anxiety medication, but it took me 11 years to get off of the ADHD medication. And what it was for me was the medicines were battling each other in my brain. Mm. When I was sleeping, I could literally feel the medication duking it out in my head. Wow. Yeah. And so I got, you know, it took me a while to get off, but it was really by doing the work, you know, and so I would say that's when I really dove deep, you know, and head on and that I want to do the work on myself. And then really it became like my mission in life, right? Like my, it became part of my purpose and how I discovered my purpose. And it was through some transformational training programs that I did that where I realized, like I used to be angry with God because like who, would, what God would ever let all that stuff happen to a little girl, you know, to a child. Yeah. And, and then I flip, I was able to flip it around and say, thank you for choosing me. Because I was chosen because I was strong enough to handle it and that I would do something good with it in in the world. And so Hmm. that's when I began to connect the dots and look at that everything that had happened, the good, bad, and ugly, it made me who I am, but led me to where I am now, you know, and building my business and helping others and even connecting the dot back to my name. So Remy is actually short for remedios. Remedios in Spanish means remedy. Uh, right, of course it does. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had visited a couple of years ago, another healer. And she said, she said, uh, you, she goes, you're a healer. And she goes, and you come from a long line of healers. She goes, does that make any sense to you? Because it's coming in very strong that you're a healer and a teacher. And I said, oh, yeah. And I said, my name is actually Remedios. I was named after my grandmother. And she goes, oh, okay, that explains it. And so I went and told the story to my mom. And she goes, oh, you're not the second one. You're actually the fifth one. Oh. And my, my grandfather actually made my mom name me after my grandmother. Like she didn't even have a choice in it. And so when I think about, you know, like what I'm building with me time, you know, someone pointed out to me, do you know what your name means in Spanish? And I said, yes. And he goes, well, think about what you're building. You're actually building this platform that connects people who need remedies to the people who can provide them. Oh my God. Yeah, that's so good. We feature therapists and life coaches in our video content, right? And that for me, my personal mission and in, in with me time was taking all of the experiences that I had, the learnings and the teachings I got in therapy and coaching and these wonderful programs and workshops and finding a way to bring that to the masses because so many people either can't afford that kind of stuff or the stigma around it is so great, you know, that it's challenging for people to actually go do work on themselves because of, you know, feeling like they're going to get teased or ostracized or whatever the feeling may be.
0: Right, right. So I will come back yeah. to me time for sure because we definitely want to explore that and promote it. But that um that book that you read that was then a movie, you know, the kids who were abducted. Mm-hmm. I I cannot wait to find out what it is and I want to read it because it's so hard to figure out what makes one person really crumble under trauma mm-hmm. and what makes another person not necessarily flourish, but at least bounce back, right? So where the uh, resiliency comes from. And so I kind of want to go back to that part for you about you did the work and I'm not going to discredit the work, but there are some people who through the trauma cannot do it. They can't function. Mm -hmm. And I just, I kind of want to explore what your thoughts are on what makes someone resilient. How do we make people more resilient so that they can do the work and not crumble?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I've looked at that myself, because even within my own family, you know, my other sister, my other two sisters suffer from depression. And one of them has borderline personality disorder. Now, granted, she didn't grow up in the same household as us, but, you know, she had obviously some things going on with her, but or she had this undiagnosed mental health issue. But I, you know, this is when I have to go back to, you know, like, like I'm a believer in astrology and not from a horoscope perspective, but that there, there's some truth to the fact of when you were born, you know, your signs and there's characteristics that are true to you. I think it also has to do with your environment and the support system that you have around you. So what I can tell you is that I can look back and I call them my guardian angels, Right, but there was some there was always people throughout my life, usually in the form of teachers, counselors or bosses leaders but there and my stepmother was another big one for me, but there were people who saw things in me that I couldn't see in myself, so hmm. they were always giving the encouragement you know or i they were like coaches, you know and And they were supportive and they believed in me. And so they believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. But they were always saying something that I hung on to that would get me through the next thing. I think the other part of it is that another characteristic of of folks that go through trauma is that like the overachiever. People become overachievers and because you're not getting the praise and attention at home that you're seeking or that children want to need. You know, people want to be heard, they want to be seen and they want to be loved. And so if I wasn't getting that at home where I turned to was school and so I wanted to do well in school because I liked it when I got A's, you know, and or wrote a good paper or did something great because the teachers would be like, oh, that's so great. They're great paper. Great job, you know, and I needed that validation The other part of it was I played sports and I, I was good, you know, in sports. So, and what, what did you play? I know you said (laughs) cheerleader but I played softball Mm. and I also Mm -hmm. ran track for a little bit and was a runner. And so junior high, I was always the fastest girl and said they would be the fastest boy and they would be the fastest girl. And I was always like first or second in that. And so I, you know, I was telling someone recently, actually, like when, when I was, younger pre-braces day, I had this three centimeter overbite and I used to get teased a lot. And oh. I was called Bucky Beaver and Bugs Bunny. And I developed before all the other girls, you know, I had boobs in fourth grade. And so I would get teased a lot, but I never felt like this ugly duckling or, you know, whatever term they were calling me. I, I always, I, I always felt happy. And I had a sense of confidence about me and, you know, but I was going through a lot at home. And so not sure where it all comes from, but I, you know, the things I can, I can wrap my brain around or the fact that I played sports and I was good at that and that I did well in school. And so it gave me confidence.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you said you started out feeling that you could do anything and then it was taken away from you. Mm -hmm. Um, So you had a foundation, which is good. Mm -hmm. But then you said that the person who was really helping you a lot, your therapy was Oprah. Mm -hmm. So, would you just read whatever she was promoting that week?
1: Yeah, I would, I would watch all her shows. But the, there was one episode in particular, and I was somewhere between the age of 18 and 20. But she had a child psychologist on the show that talked about, she was addressing her trauma, right, of being abused. And she had the psychologist on the show, and she talked about what happens to boys and girls who go through trauma, drama, and dysfunction and do not get help you get not get professional help. And then she went on to describe how they will typically develop disorders or addiction. So that was a very and oh, and repeat cycles of behavior,
0: generational mm, yeah. cycles
1: of behavior. So here's another fascinating, you know, synchronicity <laughs> aspect. So my first boyfriend in high school, when I moved to Chula Vista, his name was Joe, and he was physically abusive with me. Hmm. And my dad's name was Joe. Uh, and I had physical abuse. So typical, like girls will perpetuate a cycle behavior. If you grew up in an abusive you know, household, then you're going to date abusive men. And I was exact, I was doing that. And I was in relationship with him when I watched that episode. And so that was another big aha moment that I was just, it wasn't my fault that I was because I was desperately trying to figure out how to get out of the relationship. And I didn't know how, and i was also beating myself up cuz i was like you're a smart girl you're a strong girl like how did this even happen so it's all the you know the the energy of the world and you know how it all works law of attraction all of that right and i had a childhood wound that was unhealed that needed to get healed but i didn't know how to heal it and so i was just attracting someone you know like my dad essentially and so when when I heard that, it was like, oh, okay, this isn't my fault. This is actually textbook. And so that meant I could learn how to get out of it. And it took me a year to get out of that relationship, but I did. And very profound.
0: And so you broke it off with mm-hmm. him. And how, how'd how that go? How'd that breakup go?
1: Well, you know, it was several attempts, but then when it finally did, it was just me standing in my power of I'm not going to, because even after I had my daughter, i I didn't marry my daughter's father, but I ended up going back to him, which is crazy. Oh. And, you know, like, it's just crazy, but it all makes sense when you understand the psychology of trauma. Right? And so I, it was an incident that happened where he was driving like a crazy man in the rain with me and my daughter in the car. And it was me loving my daughter more than I loved myself that I was like, mm-hmm. you are, you put my daughter's life in jeopardy. Goodbye, good riddance, like that was it, you know. But it took my daughter coming into my life. I think she saved my life from him because she gave she was my first sense of having purpose in the world that I wanted to do something good in the world because I wanted to make a great life for her. At the time I couldn't do it for myself because I didn't, my self-esteem was so low, you know. I was just this wounded being from so many different things, the identity, the abuse all of these different things, you know, abandonment.
0: Yeah. You are not the first person I've heard talk about or re- I've read about who said that they had to figure out how to be a strong woman after they had a daughter mm-hmm. because I said, I don't want to
1: be that bad role model. I don't exactly. want to give them that kind of life. Exactly. Yet, so. And I thought, how will my daughter ever respect me if she sees me in a relationship like this? What will I be teaching her about relationships if I stay with this person?
0: Right. So how old was she when you were really figuring your shit out? I think I
1: was figuring my shit out all along, you know. So, <laughs> But yeah. I would say when I started doing the deep work, she was in high school. And what also contributed to the diagnosis or me asking the therapist about the ADH thing, because she was maybe like a junior. Yeah, she was junior, senior, senior, because I, I was 37 when she she was 17. When she graduated from high school. But that year, her senior year, she said, Mom, can I talk to you for a minute? And I was like, Sure. And she goes, No, I think I need you to sit down. And I was like, Mm. Okay, what's going on? And she said, You know, I'm really worried about you. Um, I said, Why? And she goes, When I go to college, who's going to help you find your keys and your cell phone and your sunglasses? (laughs) And I was like, I'll be fine. She's like, No, I don't think you will be. But, you know, I was always losing things, and yeah, you know, and I was scattered. So she was she was in high school.
0: I've always loved your relationship with your daughter. I'll just say that because I don't know how old, because we haven't figured out the math yet that you and I were when we met. You know, but our kids are the same age, and so that actually was really helpful mm-hmm. to me. So I want to thank you for that. And you know, throughout all of this that so far, you've been talking about you've had different people, you know, counselors and your daughter and even coworkers just like Mm -hmm. giving you books and stuff. I think that there's something there and I'm not sure what it is. Maybe you've already put your finger on what made people want to say something, want to help, want to give you this thing to help you. Because a lot of people won't put themselves out there or they won't feel that the person will be receptive or whatever. So, you know, have you thought about all the people who've come to you and why and what they brought you?
1: Well, I, uh, two parts. I feel, feel that there's always someone in your life that cares about you, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe we just don't hear them or see them as someone, you know, trying to help you or shape you. But I feel like, I mean, if I get, you might not have it at home, but you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people about this and I've met a lot of people with similar stories, you know, and you know, a couple of friends, like there's a grandmother, There was an uncle, you know, there there was a mentor through a program, there was a coach, there was a teacher. And so I think there's always somebody out there. In terms of the the why or what they saw, you know, I I don't know, but I actually just had an experience yesterday where someone reached out to me on Instagram. Profile is private on Instagram, and someone reached out to me, and it's it's a like a shaman in a different country Mm. and said, I'm sorry for writing you. I know you don't, you know, you don't know me and this is unsolicited, but the spirit guides told me (laughs) have a message for you. And it was like that you're a light in this world, but you have some negative energies around you and that are blocking your spiritual growth. And what's wild about that to me, and you can, we can be the pessimists because part of me is like, okay, what do you want, you know, and how'd you find what me? Are you yeah, and what country are you from? And, you know, like just all these questions. Right. But I found that super fascinating because I am where I'm at right now with my growth is in this exponential spiritual faith, growth phase. And that like the calling to to go down this the path of learning and I feel like it's all connected to my name and like the healing, the healer in me and Mm -hmm. just ascending, you know, in consciousness. So I just found it interesting that the timing of it. Yeah. And I of course I'm curious, I want to explore it just because I'm curious to hear, you know, what this person has to say. But again, like where my way of being and what I'm putting out into the universe, my energy and what it's attracting, you know, and last week, my sister called me, and she is studying to be a mindfulness coach and yoga practitioner. And she's doing a course right now, and has a a study group. And there are people from all over the world in her study group. And the woman said to her, "Uh, Christina, you have a very strong connection to your sister right now. And she said, Oh, that makes sense. And she's talking, she thought she was referring to our younger sister. She said, I'm working out of her old bedroom Mm -hmm. and because she had moved and she said, no, not that sister, your older sister, you have an older sister. And she's like, I do. And she said, you guys have a very surface relationship right now. She goes, but you have an opportunity to connect deeper. And she said, your sister, her aura right now and she described my aura and said it was very angelic and beautiful and ethereal and that she's in her shakti. and shakti in Sanskrit Indian languages, is feminine energy power. Ah. So this is now twice in one week that people from other parts of the world, this woman lived in Hawaii. Ah. And so when she described my sister's relationship, it was interesting because this is my sister from my biological dad, and I didn't meet her until 10 years ago. Oh. And so our, re- our relationship has kind of surfaced, right? Because we haven't lived in the same city, and she's much younger than I am. She's 28, I think. But I had just told a friend of mine, I'm so excited for my sister because she's studying all this stuff, and it's all stuff I'm into. And we're going to be able to now connect on a deeper level. Nice. And this woman said that very same thing. So, I think they're like, this is why I'm so excited to talk to you and what, and you know, because I love what you're doing and what you're talking about because I truly believe in energy and there's connection between all of us. And I think that as human beings, we come across people all the time or we meet people. And I find this true mostly like in the dating world is that we think that because we meet somebody of the opposite sex, that And especially if there's attraction that we're supposed to automatically date them. And we don't know why we're meant to, why we're meant to, you know, meet people. It could be to date. It could be to introduce you to my best friend who actually is the love of your life. Maybe we're meant to be business partners. We don't know, right? right? We don't know. I think that everybody comes into our life for a reason and it's up to us to explore the connection and see what that reason is. And a lot of times, in in my case, like what well, you're asking the question about these people, these bosses, these leaders, whoever took an interest in me or, you know, wanted, like ended up mentoring me or being that guide for me, the guardian angel, that, you know, a lot of times we're so stuck in our stuff, like, you know, what we're going through or survival mode that we can't appreciate a connection or maybe we're guarded. We won't necessarily be open to it. And so it's about staying open and understanding that maybe it's not even to help you, but maybe you're coming into their life to help them to make the difference in their life.
0: Totally. And you, you know, at the beginning, you said about how moving keeps coming up, Mm -hmm. you know, and other themes have emerged, like that one that I didn't see coming. You know, when I started this, I definitely wanted to talk about how we all are connected and help each other and people come into our lives and even if it's a say an author mm-hmm. that book is that product of that person that person's come into your life even if it's through a book and i hate when people say you know i'm a self-made man and all that bullshit because you've n- no one's ever done anything on their own there's always a community and so community comes up a lot and being open and paying attention mm-hmm. and all that stuff comes up a lot. And, you know, it just seems that people, when they can be open and pay attention, all of that great stuff, that positivity just keeps coming in and bringing people and what they need. So, when you were really working through all of your trauma, mm-hmm. were you thinking to yourself, well, I don't know how to phrase it, what were you thinking to yourself about getting? outside of yourself, outside that trauma, outside of that victimhood?
1: You know, I don't know that I was thinking about it. All I know is I got to a point, and I can connect the dots here too, where I was getting sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm -hmm. You know, that I, like I was always feeling like, wow, like how can I, you know, like I want to advance my career, but it seems like I can't get to the next level. Or I wish I was making this kind of money, but I can't seem to get there, right? Or I wish I could have this kind of relationship or can't get there, right? And so, again, it it was all living in victim mindset. Like, why is this happening to you? Why can't I, you know? And I think I would vacillate between This victim mentality, and then this empowered, you know, and I can do anything, and because I did achieve a lot of things, you know, when I was young. But I was getting sick and tired of being sick and tired. I watched The Secret, Mm -hmm. and I had I was in New Orleans when Hurricane Katrina came, working on for work on a marketing. I didn't know that. Marketing project Mm -hmm. that was a big one for me. I was working for a marketing agency and we, we promoted a lot of movies and television shows. And so I was in new Orleans working on a promotion for HBO and that being there, I got out on the last flight. We, I was scheduled to leave the next day and it just so happened two days before the trip that I, I changed my flight to leave on the last flight out on Saturday night. And that turned out to be the last flight out of the city because they shut the airport down and moved all the planes out. And what I went through and seeing the effects of Katrina and all these people that I've worked with on this event and not knowing if they survived or not. And that, you know, at the end of the day, I was like, who gives a rat's ass about a TV show and a movie? Like people are losing their homes, their homes don't even have TVs, you know, their lives. And I put, I literally said this to somebody. I, I ended up quitting my job like several months after that. but and I quit with no job. And I uh, told a friend, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do next, but all I know is that it has to make a difference in the world. And I feel like that was the bat signal out into the universe, right? Mm. That the wheels started turning. It's like a Jumanji movie, right? The wheels started turning (laughs) or uh, Indiana Jones, right? And then things started lining up and started happening to lead me down this path. And so, I was already in therapy, right? I was doing the work and then this happened. And then I watched The Secret. And then my boss at the time, or I had just, you know, I had quit already, but we were still friends. He recommended this program and I did this program and it was this transformational training program. And it was very intense. It was an NLP program, neuro-linguistic programming. And it was the equivalent of two years worth of therapy Mm. over two long weekends. That's how many hours went into it. So it was really intense. And so I just came out of this program, like where without giving it all away, because everybody should experience it. But I'll just say like, you go in this old you, current you, and you come out a new you, and like who you want to be in the world. And I said, I wanted to be this powerful, authentic, loving woman. And this is what I declare for what I want to uh, accomplish. And I said, I wanted to make six figures, I wanted to work for a company that was making a difference in the world and I wanted to open myself up to marriage because I'd always been so anti-marriage to love and marriage and I said and I wanted to use my story to help women or people in the world and within within a year and a half I got a new job a clean tech energy product company manufacturing company that was making a product that was making a difference in the world I was making the six figures and I met, who's now my ex-husband, but my and my husband, you know, my future husband at the time. And so the point being is that I opened myself up to love and marriage. And then I, a few years after that, became the president of the Latina Businesswomen Association and started working with Latina entrepreneurs, you know. And then I started doing speaking opportunities and that kind of thing and volunteering. And so. So I manifested literally all of those things. But for what I've come to learn is that the manifestation happens, the magic starts happening and being able to do it, you know, literally like that, what came after I really got rid of the emotional clutter. And what I like yeah. to say is that I went into that program carrying like suitcases and carry on, mm-hmm. you know, and check in baggage. It's all the baggage. It was all the pain and the hurt, and then all the shit that accumulated as a result of that, because you just keep adding on and adding on. And so it was unpacking. It was unpacking all of that stuff, you know, reducing it to maybe what a roll on or a, a knapsack. And our issues are our issues, and they don't necessarily go away because different things throughout life and experience are going to trigger you. But now it's about how do you get through those things? So before, something would happen and would take me out for days, weeks, months, right? And now things may happen. And literally in the moment I'm being triggered and I am parenting my inner child and talking myself through the situation in literally seconds now.
0: Wow. That's great. Second. That's phenomenal.
1: And everybody, I believe, truly has the ability to do this, has the power to do this, but it takes work. And I'll tell you, it's not easy, but it's always, it was my quest. And that woman was right. That tarot card reader was right. She said, all you want is inner peace or peace of mind. And that's why I do it because I like the high vibrational emotions of joy and happiness and love and peace. Right. And, and this is that part of growing up in trauma that, where I became a conflict avoider mm-hmm. because I saw so much conflict mm-hmm. that I was like, I never want to have anything to do with it. What I didn't know is that there's healthy conflict. Right. But by being a conflict avoider, it always, that means always that I'm trying to stay in this state, this higher state. Right. And so now the difference now is now I don't avoid, right, the emotions. And now, and it was learning, you know, to understand healthy conflict and then be, get better at conflict resolution and developing those skills.
0: So you are the first person that has said about liking the higher vibrations of joy. And it's funny because you would think we'd all be that way, but we know that not everyone is that Mm -hmm. way. And most of us aren't because you hear all the time about people being afraid of that and running Mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. So what do you mean by that you like that higher vibration what does that mean to you and why why should people run to it and not from it
1: so there's um three i don't know if you're familiar with like 3d consciousness 4d and 5d consciousness not really if not I'm, i'm gonna send you something okay cool that will actually and it'd be cool to actually put it up with this as an image so sure 3d conscious and and i'm just gonna go through it really quick the it's it's where we live on this earth plane right now. Everybody is in 3D consciousness, right? This is the world we live in. But a lot of feelings that may or thoughts may be a behavior that may be associated with that are, and let me just tell you, um, this is ego association, service to self, duality, polarization, labels, separatism. So everything we're seeing right now given the political climate and all the things that are happening, this is all very 3D, right? Control, rules, status, materialism, linear thinking, fear-lower based emotions, fear-based programming, cause okay. and effect, right? Victim mentality. You'll you're going to feel like dense and slow and heavy right and so then there's 4D so it's like as you're ascending you're you'll move into the 4D but where 5D is and i feel like we're really seeing this in the world right now that with the social justice you know with the me too movement the rise of feminine power and energy so 5D consciousness is unity conscious aligning with the divine heart centered being in service to others purpose based connectedness high frequencies authenticity abundance, you know, co-creation. So like what you're saying, a village to raise a child, you know, or or to build a team, a company, you need a team, effortless, light, ease. So for me, it's really like, I think that effortless, light, ease feeling when you, when you're in this space of love and unity and kindness and empathy and all of those feelings, you feel lighter. And what I've noticed that's happening for me is that, that I'm manifesting things faster. Ah, cool. That I'm having God moments where I literally, and they're spooky, like sometimes they'll give me goosebumps. Um, Like one particular morning I woke up and I literally opened my eyes and I said, God, how are we going to take care of all this legal work that needs to get done for the business? And I said, can you show me a way? And two hours later, literally two I met another entrepreneur and we were just started chit-chatting and I don't know what made me tell her that I had this issue, but I shared, Oh, Mm -hmm. my current challenge is blah, blah, blah. And she goes, Oh, maybe my firm can help you. And I go, what? Uh And she goes, Oh, I haven't quit my day job. She goes, I work at a law firm and it was a big firm in town. And she said, and we do pro bono work. And she said, maybe we can help you. She goes, send me your, your pitch deck. And I sent it to her. She called me two days later and she said, my firm's going to help you. They're, they're going to take care of it all.
0: Wow. Wow, wow. wow. And, you know, I love that moment when you realize I opened my mouth to the right person, you know, or to the right person who then connected me with the right person. You know, I just love those. But
1: it's like, no, to me, there's no accident in that. Yeah. Right. And especially since I asked and I put it out there. And so I'll just say that. And when I look back at my life, I've been manifesting my whole life. Right. But I would just say it was. The frequency there's bigger gaps of it, and everything and yeah. we manifest everything, even the negative stuff right and sometimes' right. It's all it's also having to understand that a bad thing that's happening to you may all, may actually be helping you for your greater good for sure yeah, agreed in the form of a lesson or it's being taken out of your life to set you up for something better yeah so let's get back to me
0: time mm-hmm. and. I know you've, you are the queen of knowing how to pitch. (laughs) I don't, so I don't, (laughs) I think you're, so I don't want the standard pitch. What I want is the revel, revel version of all of the weird, serendipitous, how it came to you, how it came about, that part of
1: it. Well, so, you know, one of my favorite moments of that, uh, what you're saying is actually connected to you because we went, you came to town to, and we had to get together in your honor at Mr. Factor's house and Simon was there. And Simon and I had met, went, met before when, but we had never, right. we had never spoken, you know, talking, it was just, Oh, hello kind of thing. And he came up to me that day and was like, so Remy, what do you do? And I was like, Oh, well actually, you know, I just got laid off from <laughs> my job and I said, I have this idea and I told him about it and he said, I want you to look me up on LinkedIn tomorrow. Here's my number and then call me. And Simon said, I'm here to help you. And Simon's now our CTO. And so I was in need of a developer and then boom, there's Simon. Like, hey, Remy, what do you do?
0: Yeah, he probably just thought, oh, here we go. Lauren dragging me to San Diego
1: again. Right. And And so again, so I even think like one of the reasons you and I were supposed to meet was so that I could meet Simon. Yeah. You know, that's how I see things. But, you know, me time was really that came about, as I said before, from my experiences growing up and that, you know, when I was given this diagnosis that I was going to have to be on medication for the rest of my life. And and I wasn't, you know, but because I did the work and going through being able to go to therapy or coaching or, you know, these workshops, part of it was because of me and my passion for it and my interest in doing it and wanting to do it, but also, I was working in sales throughout my career and was always exposed to coaching and training, but it always was a offered to management or salespeople, but it that was it. And then mm-hmm. people wouldn't use, you know, their insurance to go see a therapist. I, I feel like I'm doing my life's work and I'm on this purpose driven life path. And I finally figured out why I was born, you know, and everything that happened to me is for a reason. And that the people, the resources, the opportunities show up, and but it's also me taking action, right? So I, I've had very tough days. Entrepreneurship is no joke. It is not for the weary. You know, it takes commitment. It takes passion. But there's days when I haven't felt that, or when I'm in fear and scared and thinking, I I don't know if I can keep doing this because it's so hard, right? And and when I have those moments, something magical show, happens, like someone shows up, right, to remind me. But I, I just go into, Remy, just do one thing today. Maybe you can't do you know, 20 things, but when I'm in that state of low vibration and feeling fear or just angst about it all, it's just take one action. And like that day that I told you about with that woman, you know, I said, show me away, but I went and was talking to her and we're chatting it up and I, and I just put it out there. Right. Yeah. yeah, That's yeah, so, so awesome. Very well,
0: yeah. so I have a book for you because you know, a lot of times as I'm talking to people and I'm listening, something will come up and it's usually a book that I've read like, in the past, this is a book that I'm only like two mm. chapters in, so who knows? It could fall apart, but it's so far it's really good. It's called mm. Upstream by Dan Heath, and it's about upstream okay. thinking. Of course, they will be in the show notes, and I just think you might get Thank a you lot for sharing. out of it. I
1: love books. I love learning new books. Thank you. I appreciate yeah.
0: it. You know, you can wait until I get a little further <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> but yeah, definitely some things that you've been talking about about trauma, about changing your thinking all that has been hitting home with this. Definitely sounds easy in your head to apply this Mm -hmm. upstream thinking, but he's very down to earth and humble and talked about how It wasn't until he started researching and working on this book that he realized that he could apply these things in his life, just simple things. And he's like mocking himself for that's what it took him to do something silly. Like instead of carrying around his laptop and his power cable, just buy a second power cable and have one in his bag and not have to deal with winding and unwinding. And because that's just, that's just one example of just silly things that we do that if you just think differently, mm-hmm. you can exactly. solve lots of problems. Exactly. Yeah. So that's like the only thing that has come to mind. You have given probably more books than anybody else, maybe anybody besides Reshmi. I'm going to have to get go a lot of books <laughs> in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm really excited about seeing this chart with the third, fourth, and fifth. Really powerful. And and I've never done a visual like that. So this is going to be interesting. And where did you learn that from? Was it that course you took? No,
1: I started learning about 5D consciousness actually from a coach that I worked with. She's a law of attraction spirituality coach. Her name is Barbara Doust. Mm -hmm. And she was phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. And so that's why I started learning about it. And then she turned me on to some thought leaders and authors to follow that play in this space of energy and spirituality. And um, so Dr. Joe Dispenza is one. um, Mm -hmm. Greg, Greg Braden is another. And um, there's several and I'll, I'll share those with you so you can post those in the show notes. But I started following them and, and what Barbara said, again, is the our goal in life (laughs) on a daily basis is to try to stay in those high vibrational emotions and ways of being. And when you're in that space, that's when the law of attraction is works at its finest. It's so powerful. And those magical moments will start happening. And like, you don't, I don't even have to write things down anymore. Like seven habits of highly successful people. It says, you know, you you think it, you write it down, you tell people about it. Now I don't even have to tell people, write it down. Now I like literally will think things and they happen and sometimes within minutes or hours. And so this is where you have to be very, very mindful of your thoughts and your words because they have so much power and people don't realize it. And so if you can tap into that space and, and there's another book I read called Schottky Leadership, and it talks about the masculine and feminine energy and that everybody operated from the best characteristics of the masculine energy and the feminine energy then we would be in this very harmonious live in a harm more harmonious world and and they predicted what's happening in the world right now in this book they literally said that we're going to see a rise in feminine energy because we've been ruled by toxic toxic masculine energy for so many many hundreds of years right and yeah. look at everything that's happening right now so we This is a very, very important time in the world right now because there is a collective conscious shift happening, but you're also seeing duality, you know, so like people rising up and using their voice and signing petitions and, you know, kindness, you know, random acts of kindness, And but you're also seeing the worst of people as well and some of that toxic behavior. And so it's this thing happening. And so For all of us that are playing in this space of positivity and higher consciousness, it's so important that we continue to stay in that state and not get sucked into the rabbit hole of all the negativity because we actually have the power to shift the consciousness of the world.
0: Wow. Any idea of how long it's going to take? I'm asking the
1: same question, but it's going (laughs) to take some time. But the fact right. is we see- you. We can actually visibly see what's happening. Look at all the women who are now in office, right? Look at all the social right. justice things that are happening, the changes, you know, that are happening in the world. Right. So, you know, you said Shakti, mm-hmm. and
0: then you said Shakti rising. Mm-hmm. And I know that you left Mount Carmel mm-hmm. at the end of freshman year, right? Sophomore. At the end of sophomore. Okay. So we were both there the mm-hmm. same year. Mm-hmm. We just never knew each other. Okay. So... Have you ever heard of Shock Tea Rising? It's a nonprofit in San Diego started by our classmate, Shannon Thompson. No. What? Yeah. Yeah. She's very el- elusive. It's all about, well, you'll read and I'll have yeah. a link. And she has no idea I'm talking about her because she's, um like I said, she's elusive. Not anymore. Staff-
1: this is going to be calling for her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you put it in the she-
0: universe. <laughs> um she's elusive with like our group our oh no girl, i got what you're you know? saying but yeah but she obviously she's out there doing stuff for her nonprofit all the time and it's about female empowerment uh, particularly high school age girls mm. definitely check mm-hmm. into Shakti rising I would love to and that's my superpower, bringing people yeah, together. Yeah. Maybe, she'll, maybe she'll talk to you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you for sharing.
0: And I don't know what part of San Diego. I just know it's in San Diego County somewhere. So hopefully it's not too far. And you're in LA though
1: now, right? I'm in LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right up the road. What part, what part of LA? I'm in the Valley. Okay. Mm-hmm. Valley girl. Was In the Valley. In the um, Valley. Trying to make my way back to the West side. <laughs> anything that you really
0: want to make sure that you talked about about some cool, you know, serendipitous thing going on in your life. I, I don't, I always, I feel like that's pushing pressure on you, but I also feel yeah. like I, I don't want to just assume that you've talked about everything you want to talk about.
1: I, you know, I, what I think I really want to say to people is that our mind is so powerful and I, I true, I do me time for me Is really about human potential, you know. I think that, and and I know this from my own self that, you know, we never give ourselves enough credit for what we're capable of doing, and and maybe we can't see it, you know. But I'm here to tell you that everything you you need to know, the answers are within you, and you just have to uncover the answers, and and you and it's okay to ask for help, or to seek help to do that, and. And life can, life can be really magical and we have the power to create that magic. We really do.
0: I love it. And I agree. And I think that we're here to help each other. So mm-hmm. that is a perfect, perfect message. And, ooh, you know, 2020 has been hard. Anything that we can do to share the love and share the positivity has got to be the thing that keeps you going throughout the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to thank you for your time and your vulnerability telling us all that stuff. Well, yeah. I want to just thank you for being part of our group and our, my life.
1: And I don't get to see or talk to you enough, but I love you. I love you too. And I thank you for doing this. And I love what this is all about. It's really special. I think so too. All the stories. I'm just so moved by all the stories so far that I've listened to. And I found little connections with everybody thus far that I've listened to. and
0: And you said something that I forgot about because of the technical problem. But earlier you said connecting the dots. And you know what? It's so funny because
1: that's really what this is all about. And no Mm -hmm. one has said that before Mm you, you're the first person. I can totally do that with Meryl, Meryl story. Boom. I was like, wow, Meryl and I were going through some similar stuff, you know, at the same time, you know, it's all heavy and, but we didn't know as kids. And, you know, another story, someone I dated at Mount Carmel, um, I'm not going to say who he is, but we connected as adults recently and we had a conversation and I did not know this at the time, but again, When you think about the law of attraction, but he was going through an abusive situation at home while we were dating. And so was I, but neither of us knew it at that time. Oh, wow. And we just found this out in the last year or so. And that was wild to me. Like how the universe will serve you up people in situations to help you heal your wounds or your trauma and get over stuff. Right. 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 And you don't know, but you don't know. And I'm so glad that this is able to do that. And you
0: know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, I figured something out, meaning, and I connected the dots. And then they, Mm -hmm. then it's done, the mystery solved, as opposed to seeing the connection of dots throughout your life and without your, throughout your community and your network, as to seeing the dots that are actually building your network, I think is, super important. Mm-hmm. And when you said that, I went like, bing, 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 bing. So
1: mm-hmm. your network can help you to, you know, rise to your, your highest self.
0: Yeah. So sorry to say yeah. goodbye twice, but that was obviously very important. It's okay. <laughs> goodbye. okay. Well, thank you again so much.
1: And you thank have you. a lovely evening. Okay. 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 Bye. okay. Good night.
0: Okay. Revelers, you stuck with it to the end. So let's talk about therapy. The holidays are upon us, quite literally, and you may be alone because of COVID. You may be seeing just a small subset of who you normally see, or you may be seeing everybody, and who knows, but this year's holidays are going to be weird, going to be fraught with worry about getting sick or missing someone that you're afraid if you go to them that someone might get sick. And all I can say is it is a tough time for everybody. As you heard, Remy did a ton of work in her life, and she is better for it. And now she can make Me Time, which is this amazing network to help you get access to different professionals that can help you. And if you've seen the social network and you've seen how bad it is and how they're sort of preying upon your moods and needs and such, basically think of me time as the antidote that it gives you that same help during your needs and low points and stuff, but it's not preying upon you to do this. Its design is to help you. So check out Me Time. I really think that will help. And also check out BetterHelp. That's Better H-E-L-P to get connected to a professional one-on-one therapist, which we all need. There is not anyone who is so freaking healthy that a therapist can't do anything for them. No one. Not even my dog. And he's the most simple thing on the planet. He just is pure love and he could still use a therapist. So do not be shy. Do not be proud. Do not be afraid. Do not be thinking that you're alone because over 1 million people are in therapy just with better help. So it is there for you just like Me Time is there for you and Revel Revel is there for you. And I just want to say I am thankful to everyone who has been on the show, who has listened to the show, who is going to be coming up on the show in 2021. And we have a few more episodes between now and the end of 2020. So happy Thanksgiving to all. Happy Thanksgiving, especially to my revelers. Love y'all.